Did you know that the podcasting industry is growing by the day? Do you want to stake your claim in it? Well, you should check out PodU Podcasting to learn how to use your voice to create impact. Go to www.disruptingbalance.com slash PodU. That's P-O-D-U. And follow PodU Podcasting on Instagram for tips to help you get started. Remember, that's PodU Podcasting. Your voice, your impact. Hello and welcome to the Disrupting Balance podcast with Hanifa Barnes. It's me, I'm your host, a multicultural mama, wife, and leader. And here is where we amplify the stories of multicultural women who are unraveling from tradition to make the switch in work, well-being, and winning. I made the switch. Former professional actor turned lawyer turned education executive, and I'm not done yet. Join in on the conversation and learn how you can unravel from your stuff to make the switch, disrupt balance, and win. We all wear the mask, whether it's to shield ourselves from pain or hide our own emotions or make an attempt to protect our peace. We cover parts of ourselves to keep ourselves safe. This is the story of A. Decker, a Black woman living in Canada of British and Jamaican ancestry. She is a wife, a mother, an artist, and survivor of abuse. She speaks candidly about how her culture influenced her path to art, her drive for independence, self-efficiency, and confidence, and her strong desire to stay in a tumultuous relationship for the sake of helping her family stay together. For years, she wore the mask, hiding the pain through her so-called drug of choice, work and busyness. Until one day, A. Decker decided to make the switch from abused woman to shelter resident with her children to homeowner to artist. This is her story. So hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disrupting Balance podcast. I'm so excited. This is a new episode. This is a new season. It is a new year, guys, and I am so glad you joined me. I've got some amazing guests lined up. One of them is here in the Disrupting Balance chair today. Hello, A. Decker. Hi. How are you? I'm good, Hanifa. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am so glad you said yes. And, you know, we're going to jump right in. As you know, A. Decker, Disrupting Balance is all about multicultural women unraveling from tradition to make the switch in work, well-being, and winning. So let's start with your story. Okay, with my story, I am a mother of four, a wife. I am now an artist. Um, I do have a career, but my full career will be um, the being an artist. Um, yeah, and I, I go by the name A. Decker, but my full name is actually Alana Decker, but I prefer A. Decker just for my art name. Um, I'm residing in Cambridge now, but, um, you know, I'm born from British and Jamaican parents. So I'll break that down a little bit here. <laughs> so I have my father who is born in Jamaica and my mother was born in England, but she has um, uh, Jamaican parents. 
so that was an interesting um childhood having West Indian background um, upbringings and I'm sure we're going to talk about that later but um, it's definitely for a different episode as well but um, uh, yeah I fight hard for my family I love my family I love the whole dynamics of family Um, you know I'm a survivor of domestic abuse Um, and that's where my art journey comes in it's um, turning that domestic abuse into something that um, was a learning curve in my life and made me put that into my art. And um, I put it into my art in the sense of being able to give back to the women that um, are residing at the uh, Women's Crisis Service Centre. And that's where I stayed at the um, Haven House Woman's Shelter, that I stayed at the Haven House Woman's Shelter. So I like to give back. So a portion of the proceeds with any art piece that's purchased, it goes towards um, giving back to, you know, the women at the shelter, just trying to start, you know, start a new life and, you know, have a rebirth in their life, you know, Um, uh, because that's where I was. And, you know, I'm continuously, you know, I continuously have goals and I always say it's a continuous rebirth. So it's never just a rebirth and that's the end of it. I'm always learning and there's always a new me and a new and better me. Um, And uh, yeah, the art is the part where, you know, you can just turn turn a negative into a positive. Mm -hmm. So let me, yeah, jump in right here. So you, you've talked about a lot in your story. There's so much to it that people will hear as we go along, but Mm -hmm. you talk about your parents and where they're from and growing up in the West Indian culture. And then you talk about becoming an artist. So I'm curious, how did your background really inform where you ended up today as far as being an artist is concerned, because I know in a lot of foreign cultures, West Indian, African parents are like, artists, that, that's not going to pay the bills, right? <laughs> that's right. And because I, I had that same conversation with my father when I wanted to major in drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how did your background kind of influence where you ended up in art? You know, the West Indian culture, It you know, there's goods and bad that comes with that, you know, background. And I'm so grateful for the whole of it, the goods and the bad of it, because it makes me who I am today. So, Hanifa, when it comes to how it influences me, honestly, like, the importance of um, the independence and the importance of self efficiency and the confidence you know that's what comes from the um the the positivity of um my my art but my parents I shouldn't say parents my mother because my mother was the one that raised me and that's no disrespect to my father because I do have a good relationship with my father it's just that with my mother she raised me um she did not want me to be an artist. In fact, I wanted to be a fashion designer. She said being a fashion designer is not going to pay the bills. Exactly what you said. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a, an industry that is, um, it, there's a lot 
of people trying to get where they want to be. And they it's very hard. It's a hard industry. I understand where she was coming from when she said that. But um, yeah, I wasn't, art was not something she wanted me to get into. I was supposed to, you know, pick something different. And I didn't know what to pick. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I can be a nurse. And my mom's like, no, every West Indian person wants to be a nurse. <laughs> so <laughs> I say that as I joke around, it's really funny, but, um, and also true, but you know, there's nothing wrong with being a nurse. Being a nurse is an excellent, um, you know, job to have. Um, but I had to think of something else. I was like, okay, mom, you know, I don't, I don't know what to pick. And I remember looking through, it's almost like a catalog, you know, for the school that I was going to, to pick what course I was going to take. And I said, you know what, how about business? Because I figured if I take business, at least I'll know the background for whatever it is I decide to do, rather Mm -hmm. it be fashion, art, or wherever my journey takes me. And so I did go to school for business administration and I'm Mm -hmm. grateful for that. I do have those elements, um, you know, to carry with me during this art journey. (laughs) Yeah, that that's wonderful. So let, let's continue into kind of the the dynamics of culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, You talk about two points um, that are the positive sides is this element of independence and this element of self-efficiency, right? Yes. So I hear also kind of the strong Black woman trope in that. Yes. So how do you reconcile that then when you think about your experiences in relationship and the cycle of abuse? Let's talk about that and who you are in your upbringing and the independence and the self-efficiency. How does how did all that work together, but yet you still found yourself in those challenging moments? You know what? I, like I mentioned, that independence, that self-efficiency, and that confidence, that is what kept me afloat. I wasn't who I was supposed to be, of course, because I was still broken. But having that, because I was raised that way, right? So knowing how to be independent, being able to cook for myself. I had to be, I used to be in the kitchen with my mom while she's cooking to learn how to make basic meals. And then because I enjoyed the meals we were cooking, they ended up being a little bit more, you know, um, in depth of like how to season, how to, you know, get into seasoning the chicken. It's not just putting the seasoning on the top and putting it in the oven. You know what I mean? And, you know, cleaning your chicken, just learning all of those things, Um, is what made me get through that dark, dark um, place, that dark relationship, that abusive relationship I was in. Um, He was, at that moment, he was able to take a lot from me, but he wasn't able to take me to the point where I wouldn't go to work anymore or Mm. uh, because I knew I had my children to look after right? Mm -hmm. That was number one. And I learned that as a child, um, you know, coming from a very strong mother um, who made sure that there was always food on the table, never once can I say, and there is nothing wrong with other brand names. To this day, I don't have to wear brand names, but let me tell you, there wasn't one time in my life I did not wear brand name clothing. And we were in housing. You know, so it learning how that was important for my mom, for people not to see how um, 
you know, how low of an income we had at that Mm -hmm. time. And what I carried into that relationship was, you know, putting a smile on as well so that people can't see that Mm -hmm. there really is pain and Mm -hmm. suffering in my day to day. Right. Mm -hmm. So those, you know, the confidence that comes in where I would go to work and dolled up, put on that makeup, put on my heels and march out that door, even after a brutal, you know, like verbal disagreement, right. And go to work like nothing happened. You would have thought we had a party at my house and I came into work all happy. It was all a mask. But I was able to learn that. I learned that from my mom. My mom was is very good at hiding her pain. And wow. um, I, I inherited, I don't know if it's looked at as a positive thing, um, but I, I inherited that strength of um, hiding my pain. Yeah, I, that is something I hear from not just multicultural women, but women in general. Mm-hmm. And I think of that conversation you have when you like call a friend or your friend calls you and, and they ask, well, how are you doing? And your first thought is just to say, I'm fine. Yes. But under all that, there's a lot going on in that response. Mm-hmm. So did you find that in hiding or covering up what was really going on? Did you find that your body was having physical responses to this? Were you getting sick? Were you feeling upset? Were you lashing out? I mean, what were some of the ways your body responded? Because I would think you would have to find a way to let that out. Oh, yes, absolutely. My body definitely responded. Um, And that was noted from my doctor. I couldn't understand why I was feeling, um, it was like continuous tenseness in my body. I felt, I remember going to the doctors um, and asking, um, you know, I feel great. Everything's fine. But like, I'm in, like, I have severe back pain. Like, I just felt um, like achy, you know, it was, I felt achy all, all my body. And um, she said, well, maybe your body is reacting to, is, feels depressed and you don't realize you're depressed. And because you always numb yourself, you're not thinking like, okay, well, it couldn't be this. But it definitely is that my body was reacting in the sense of feeling pain. You know, you're trying to numb yourself. I'm not one to to drink um, to to numb pain. At least at, during those days, I like I hardly drank or anything. So, um, I what kept me going. I guess you could say my addiction, my drug, not only was the abusive relationship, but it was also um, working. All I would do is work, 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 and I would never, I wouldn't stop. Yeah, I just keep busy. If it wasn't, if I wasn't busy with my children, I would be busy at work. That um, <laughs> you just bringing up some things for me. Um, things I, I I don't share on the podcast, but I'm just kind of thinking through what you're talking about, and I absolutely concur with that. the The idea of work. And just putting everything you got into producing, because that's where you have control in your life. That's right. Because in those other areas, you feel like you're almost losing some sense of control. So 
was any part of staying in your relationship due to the fact that you wanted to keep your family together? Because when we spoke, I pulled from you and you said earlier um, in the episode that family is important. And you talked about growing up at your grandparents' house in the summer with all your cousins. Yes. So take us through that experience and let me know, does some of that, was some of that kind of the reason you wanted to keep your family together? Absolutely. And not to forget, there's a lot of love, even though you're in an abusive relationship it doesn't mean there isn't love there. You know, that was my friend. That was my partner. And um, keeping my family together was an important thing for me. Proving to everyone that the person that you know to be, you know, you know, and I say in quotations, a hothead, that person's not a hothead with me. You know what I mean? Like you're trying Mm -hmm. to just paint a different picture than, what's really happening, um, wanting to prove people wrong. That was my, my main thing. And keeping, I really wanted a family. I love that family unit, that fi- family dynamic. I didn't, I, I grew up with my grandparents. Um, I grew up with having my mom and my dad in one home up for, you know, not for long, but I was able to see that. Um, but most of my childhood was, you know, just with a single mom. And I, I didn't want that for my kids. I didn't want to continue that cycle of, of struggle. And my mom raised us the best way she knew how to with the tools she was given. Um, she's very intelligent. So um, she did help me a long way and still helps me to this day. But um, I did not want to um, be that sing, I didn't want to be a statistic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put it out there. I did not want to, I did not want to be a statistic. I wanted to break down barriers mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be, you know, that mother that had a child for a man prior and then having a, another child for another man. You know, I'm a black woman. This is what people see because they don't know behind that. But I'm a black woman mm-hmm. with uh, two, with three children, right? Um, and two sets, two sets, right? So two different men. And I'm looked at as, oh, they're obviously the common denominator is her. I didn't mm. want that. Mm. I don't want to be that common denominator because we don't go into relationships knowing we're going to be on our own. We We don't, you know, we don't deliberately go into these relationships to be a single mother and to separate. It's so harmful, not even just to to me, but the children. And I'm sure it was harmful for him too. I know he would love to be in a a family unit, but he just didn't know how he does. He didn't have the tools to want to, to keep that family unit um, strong without that, um, that, strong I don't want to say it's a it's not a cultural thing but Mm -hmm. I I I I think he had a hard time not being um he wants to be dominant it was important to be dominant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was important to be in control and um I think the fact that I was a strong um strong strong in the sense that I was always working 
there wasn't a point in that relationship that I wasn't working, but within that relationship, he wasn't. So sometimes I think um, men can feel like that sense of like, whoa, um, I'm in like uh, inferior, you know, that. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's a bit of shame that comes with that. There shouldn't be, but they carry this shame and then that's projected and was projected on me. Yeah. Trying to break me down. So I'm trying to break barriers to keep my family together while I'm being broken within that relationship I'm trying to keep together. I I hear so much compassion in your voice still. And, you know, I just, I'm going off of some experience that I've seen, but also just some assumption in that you would think that if you were in a relationship with anyone, whether it's a partner or a best friend that was abusing you in any way, shape or form, there would be a little bit more of anger or resentment, but I hear compassion in your voice. I think I always will. (laughs) Yeah. So with that, how did you muster up the power, the strength, the fortitude to be able to just completely break it off? What was that moment or that process for you? You know, Hanif, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that. You hear that compassion because a lot of people would just assume that I am, you know, it's still very angry. But you have to remember, I do have children with this individual as well. Yeah. And to this day, I still have to co-parent um, with this individual. I do have an amazing husband who um, actually does the communication between, you know, my children's father and um and, you know, he helps me communicate the words that need to be passed over to him so that those old habits don't come back. They're so easy to go back to that dark place, right, when you have to communicate with your abuser. So um, I have my husband to, to navigate, be that third party to, you know, talk about the drops, drop-offs and the pickups if anything needs to be changed. But um, I... Uh, the way for me to break out of that um, cycle, that relationship, I have to thank my sister. I moved her into the house. I remember the summer and I asked my mom, is it okay if, you know, little sis, I'm not going to say her name, obviously, <laughs> but is it okay if little sis can come and, you know, stay with me, mom, because I need help. I, I it was, it's so easy to go back because you're so you you want to help that person he he was in and out of jail right and i am compassionate towards people that um were incarcerated because i feel like they're not given um they're not given the help they need when they come out i in my opinion um, I feel like they need help to, you know, be rehabilitated into society. And I think a lot of individuals that have been in that situation, they have shown that they are unable to navigate at, like in the outside world, right? So that's where a lot of my compassion comes from. Also being West Indian background, I know he had, he was, his, their belief system is the same in every yeah. household. Yeah. So we shared that in common. I understood yeah. 
that's what he went through. And not to mention, he's a Black man. I don't want to put an, a label on um, a Black man. It's not right for him to put his hands on me. But, you know, there's this passion to want to help your people. There's a, a part of me that wants to help all people, obviously. But when it's your own, you want to really tread lightly and try and help yeah. them in any way you can not break them down you know i'm a feminist i stand for you know i advocate against domestic violence and i i want even the abusers to look in that mirror and to know they are still loved you're loved but you need to change hmm. you're loved and there's a way to change Mm-hmm. You know, here are the tools. There are so many tools. You can speak to other men that get in disputes with their wives, um, and then they if they don't put their hands on them, they don't break them down. You know, there's a way to have you, there's a way to have discussions without being harmful. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think in that sense, having my little sister there was very yeah. helpful. Having yeah. her in my my house kept him out because an abuser is fear, fearful of other people seeing how they react in situations that they can't handle. Um, it worked in my favor because he it, having my sister was really repellent. Not that he was afraid of her. Yeah. <laughs> She's a strong girl, but uh, he wasn't afraid of her. He was afraid of her seeing how he is yeah. in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What an amazing, amazing journey for you. And you were able to find your way and you made a major shift or switch in the process, not only um, ending that relationship and finding yourself in a woman's shelter, you were able to come out of that, purchase a home and kind of take your life in a completely different direction. So tell me about the journey of making the switch from oh, the of the women's shelter to owning that home. Um, you know, that was a blessing. Honestly, um, the woman's shelter was um, the idea of my uncle, believe it or not. He was the one that told me, you know, you need to separate yourself from this person you will, when you're, you need to go to the shelter. He gave me the name. He said, they provide you with counseling. And, um, you know, when he, the word shelter is scary. You know what I mean? Um, and having children and being in that type of vulnerable situation, it's just, it's scary. I think the word shelter at that time, when I think back to it, I was like, oh, there's no way I'm putting my kids in a shelter. There's this sense of pride that comes with it, you know? Um, But I realized there's no time for that. I don't have time. I don't have time to, to sit and think if this is the right choice. I need to make that jump, rather if I like it or not, because I'm living for my kids as well. They they can't see and hear this yelling. It's too it's too chaotic for children. So I made that jump and I went to the the woman's shelter. Um and they did give me that counseling I needed. Um 
And while being there, I was there for maybe about three months, three or four months. And um, they provide you with housing as well, which is excellent. They help you get on your feet. And I thought I was going to need that. I was on the list and no one could tell me there isn't a God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if there aren't believers out there, but mm-hmm. let me tell you, I am not religious, mm-hmm. but I am definitely spiritual. And I just, no one can tell me there isn't a God, okay? Mm-hmm. Because out of nowhere, mm. I came into a lump sum of money. And it's not like, you know, I can be like not rich, you know what I mean? But it was enough money to really sit down and think, what, 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 what do I do with this? I, I could go on a couple trips. I could buy lots of clothes. I can buy, you know, some really nice red bottoms. You know what I mean? Like uh, more than, yeah. two pair. you know what I mean? I could buy a lot of good things, but I'm like, okay, there comes the, the statistic again. Let's think of something a little deeper. And while I was in the shelter, I was actually staying with my aunt as well. Um, I would go see her on the weekend. And she let me come over. She was so sweet. And, um, you know, we'd talk and like, I asked her because I came into this money. I said, what do, what, what do you think about me buying a house? And she's like, well, you know, I don't know. That's that. I don't know if that's a smart idea. You know, if you were going to buy a house, you need to really um, have three, you need to be three mortgages ahead Something about that sounds very right, but also in my mind, I'm like, it also sounds very wrong. There's a lot of people that have three <laughs> mortgages ahead. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's something about that that doesn't sound right. So I said, you know what? And I still believe this to this day, like not all the time when you speak to, you know, it could be friends or family. They don't even know the answers to. They just, sometimes people come up with an answer just because they want to, they want to give you an answer, not really because they know. You know, we're not fully informed. We're always, all of us, we're always learning, right? So anyway, I went online and I looked for a mortgage broker because I didn't know what to look for first. And the mortgage broker um, asked me if I had a real estate agent. I'm like, well, no, I didn't know I need that too. So (laughs) um, he ended up setting me up with this real estate agent. And he said, I said, well, I have, you know, this amount of money. Like I had $7,000, Seven thousand dollars. I said, "What do I do with it? Like, can I not buy a house?" He's like, "You absolutely can. We're gonna set you up." Mm-hmm. And all I said to the guy was, "You know, I'm not a picky person. I just need to have two bedrooms. I need a backyard, and I need to have three bedrooms." He's like, "Done. I can find that for you." And he did. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, "Is this really happening?" I, I literally thought this was a dream, but I do believe my grandma is like my guardian angel. Um, she was a warrior when it comes to praying, like a prayer warrior. Okay. Mm -hmm. My grandma even prayed for make sure Bin Laden becomes a good man and talk to him. Like my grandma is a power warrior. And I truly believe she stands beside every single one of my family members every day, every day. Um, she was the one I, she was the one that guided this. There was something that happened. I don't, I don't want any answers, but the outcome is that I was able to purchase my first home out of the shelter for my kids. And that was um, one of the barriers I was able to break. I was 
able to be that single mother coming out of an abusive relationship, out of an abusive shelter, with three children, well, sorry, uh, with two children at that time, and purchased her home. That is just, it's a blessing. It's a wonderful, wonderful, I won't even say ending because I know there's so much more to your story. Mm-hmm. And with that actual segue, I want to know with the new year, what is it you intend to create? Thinking about who you are, who you've been, your experiences, where your art has taken you, what is it you hope to create in this new year? In this new year, I honestly, I hope to create a full-blown career in my art. Um, This art journey, I, I want it to be everything. I don't want any distractions. That was one of the reasons why I put faux dreads in my hair because my best friend said, you want less time to worry about your hair and more time to create. And I was like, amen. So I did that. And (laughs) it's working very well because I'm, my mind's going, I'm creating, I'm creating, creating. I want it to be full time. I want to also add, you know, my poetry as well. Um, in quotes, there's a lot of things that come to mind that I want to share with the world. I have the art, but also the words to go with the art. Um, I want to be that that positivity in people's lives. That's what I want to focus on and project out there for the world. That is great. And just for the listeners to know, I've seen several pieces of your art uh, on your Instagram profile. And I'm watching closely because I'm just now getting into the appreciation of art. <laughs> so I look at art a lot. And uh, when I first saw your pieces, I thought they were extremely, extremely striking and engaging. I look and I, w- I want to keep staring to figure out kind of what's the process is in the picture or in the moment of the picture. So extremely striking and engaging. So where can people find you, find out more about your art and all of that? Um, You can find me on Instagram. My IG account is, well, Instagram account, I'll use the right word. (laughs) It's a.deckerart and Decker Art is one. I also have a website. It is www.adeckercreations.com. And on there I have, I have, I'm not trying to have a clothing line, but I have canvas tees. That's what I call them. So if you're unable to, you know, purchase that canvas, at least you can buy a canvas tee and, um, you know, sport the the art that you like best, whatever resonates with you, that's what you can wear. And I have them on masks as well. So, you know, it's, it's something fun. Just, it's, that's just what I want out there is just to know that yeah. people are safe, they're supported, and they're deeply loved. So every time you wear or purchase a piece, at least mm-hmm. you feel that same way too. You know you're not alone. You're never alone. I am A. Decker, and I'm disrupting balance by remembering the validation of others doesn't take precedence over how I value myself. Thank you for listening to the Disrupting Balance podcast with Hanifa Barnes. 
hey, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're not following me yet, find me at Disrupting Balance on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And guess what? I'm on Clubhouse at Hanifa Barnes ESQ. And if you want free tools or any and all things Disrupting Balance, check out the website, www.disruptingbalance.com. Talk soon.